you're listening to a life-changing podcast that does a deep dive into what's behind the silence, the truth no one wants to talk about, featuring two thought-provoking professional coaches who specialize in linguistic patterns of thought, feelings, and behavior. As NLP practitioners, certified and life-changing, the dynamic duel, Stacey Cutright and Stephanie Demmel. Good morning, friends, and welcome back to the welcome back to the podcast of What's Behind the Silence, the truth no one wants to talk about. I'm Stace Cutright and uh, a life coach, and I have my fabulous co-host here, Steph, and she's a teen coach. And um, we've taken a little bit of time off um, to enjoy the holidays with our, our friends, family, etc., so we're back and excited to start 2023 with you. Hey, Steph. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm so excited we're back online here. It's been a great morning. You know, Steph and I, before recording, and we've shared this before, we always, you know, kind of recap on, you know, kind of life events or share go me's that we have and, and you know, it's such an exciting and uplifting time for me. You know, I learn a lot uh, from staff and, and, you know, just get different perspectives. And I think it's really important for us to have some open openness and willingness to look at other perspectives that people have and really start, you know, looking at is our perspective a feeling or is it reality? You know, and, or factual, okay? Because our, I mean, it is reality of how we feel, but is it really factual? And that's something that I've really started to really question myself and do a deep dive on is, you know, is my feelings facts? And a lot of times my feelings aren't. So it's an opportunity for me to learn, grow and reframe my thinking. Love it. So. Love it. You know, I don't talk about this much, but, you know, the last couple of years have been two of the hardest years of my life, you know, starting my own coaching practice. And, you know, I, I experienced all that, you know, and so it is so nice, you know, when we jump on these calls on Friday mornings at 6 a.m. to, you know, just hash out the world and what what we're thinking and talk, catch up and all that stuff, you know, and being able to have someone like you in my corner to where I can just be open and honest and there's no judgment. Everybody needs that. Every single person needs that. And if you don't have that in your life, that's what you need. You need somebody in your corner that is going to support you no matter what. We were just talking about something, Stacy. We were talking about, um, you know, people, there's so many of you out there that struggle with self-worth and, and when you struggle with self-worth, you question whether people love you. And, you know, we were just talking about that. And, you know, what is it? What would you say to our audience that you got to believe that there will be somebody in your corner? But, you know, how, how do you approach somebody that, you know, you love and, you know, they have self-worth issues? How do you approach them? Can I take a different angle on that before I you bet? You? Um, you know, I will say I lived my whole life up until I got into recovery, having no self-worth, no self-esteem, no, 
none of that. Okay. Because it wasn't, it wasn't instilled into me. It wasn't groomed into me. It wasn't modeled for me. Okay. And so I learned to take, to, to take on the judgment or criticism or not good enough. And, you know, all that self-doubt and I'll never forget, this is probably about seven or eight years ago, somebody that I consider a brother to me, you know, we, we were chatting and I had asked him, I said, Mike, do you love yourself? And he's like, yeah, you know, and he said, don't you? And I said, no, actually I hate myself. And I said, I am so insecure. And he, at this point, he had known me for about 15 years. And he said, are you kidding me? Stacy, I thought you were the most secure person and confident. And at that time, you know, it was like a shock to me. I thought about this all the way home. And I was like, boy, I can really bullshit people. I have a mask that really is not who <laughs> I am. And not that I was proud of that. I just didn't know how to get out of the, the craziness. And so, you know, I do have somebody that I consider a sister and they are struggling right now. They're struggling huge. They're struggling with self-worth. They're struggling with self-identity. Uh, they are struggling with, you know, feeling shameful, guiltful for some of their choices that right now are not the healthiest, but they don't know how to get out of them because they've been using them as coping skills because they don't want to yeah. dress. And I, I know people think I talk about this all the time. They don't want to dress past trauma. And one of the things that this, this individual had said to me is, you know, they started to go into, to trauma recovery. And they said, I'm afraid I am going to get angry with my mother. Mm. That is the barrier for them to move forward. So my reality to, to, you know, cause I won't, I won't BS anybody. Okay. I'm going to be, tell it like it is from my experience. Okay. My perspective doesn't mean it's going to be for everyone. I said, sweetheart, can I tell you a fact that was for me? Anger was never shown as a good emotion or feeling because the way it was displayed was not healthy. Anger is healthy. It's no different than happiness. It's how we show it that can be dis disruptive. And I said, the fact for me is with my entire family, especially with my mother and my biological father, I did get angry. And at that point, I did shut down because I was afraid. Am I going to react the same way they did? I don't want to react that way. So immediately, anytime throughout life, I started feeling angry. I immediately, and I didn't even realize this, it was subconscious. I turned it to anxiety and depression. Because you know what? I knew how to deal with that. I knew how to feel that feeling even though it felt horrible. However, I did not know how to appropriately feel or look at anger. And, you know, as far as with this individual, I hear often when they feel 
they have not met up to the mark of what they want, they will say to me, do you still love me? And that breaks my heart because I think, what is it that I'm doing that that is creating a feeling of not feeling secure with me or that I may judge them? Because to be honest, guys, I work recovery seven days a week and I work recovery five days a week with professionals. Costs a lot of money for me. However, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, let me tell you, I'm one of these, like, if the timeline is seven years to complete, I want to complete it in two. Like, tick, tick, tock. Let's, let's speed it along. I'll work harder, better, faster, quicker. Let's go. And, you know, I also understand not everybody is where I am. And that is okay. Because they might not have been at the depths of where I felt that for me, getting into recovery was literally, I either do it or I die. And my dying would, would be by choice. And I thought, how do I pull up the bootstraps? I'll do anything I need to do. And if the end result is that I finally say, enough is enough, I die, and I've tried everything, so be it but I'm not a quitter and I won't quit trying because to be honest, it's, you know, I used to look at it, but I didn't want to disappoint my children. I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want to disappoint my husband. I didn't want to hurt him because there was hurt when I tried to commit suicide in 2012. However, today, my reframing and my thinking, the most important person, you may feel that this is selfish the most important person in my life that I never want to disappoint is myself. Because when I'm whole with myself, I can be a great, I can be a better wife. I can be a better mother. I can be a better sister to the chosen ones in my life. And I can be a better daughter or granddaughter to my chosen ones in my life. And if I don't put myself first and keep giving myself the checkup from the neck up and choose to live each day within the legacy I have set up that I want to leave when I exit this world, then none of my relationships are going to be where they could be and fulfilled. And that's just from my perspective and how I, choose to live out my life now. I love it. So what do we want to talk about today, Steph? Well, you know, I wanted to share with the audience, and this is kind of off the cuff. We had a couple topics planned, but you know, you've been doing a lot of hard work this year. And, you know, there's so many that are starting this fresh year, hoping to find a change. And I know with change comes a lot of disappointment. And because you set such high expectations for yourself and sometimes you don't meet those. And so you feel like you're failing, you know, but it's truly when you accept that you're really going to commit to yourself. You know, I just had a young lady I was talking to yesterday that I've been working with and we've been working together over two and a half months now. And, you know, yesterday she told me, you know, it, 
I resisted the coaching. I resisted getting help. I resisted trying to change myself for the better. But once I did decide, you know what? Steph's putting on in all this work for me. It's time for me to start working on myself. And, you know, you've had that mentality for several years now. However, you know, you're still finding what you, you need to do for yourself to make yourself feel the way you want to feel. And, you know, you pour your heart out to people, Stacey. I mean, you're always doing nice things, baking for people, cooking for people, buying people stuff. You're sending out cards to people. You're always there for people. And I thought today that you could be there for people in a sense where, you know, you talk about this past year a little bit, especially the last half of the year, like the last three months, because you've, from what I've, I've, I've noticed and what I've, you know, what you tell me, you've really taken a step back and I want you to talk about this last three months and really, you know, where your journey's been, where you see it going and really kind of the, the roadblocks that you encounter that you have to hurdle on a daily basis. Would you be willing to do that? I most certainly will. I most certainly will. Because so what's I, been the biggest challenge for you over this last three months, do you think? I think the biggest challenge has been what we identify society as, as family. And the false um, definition that we put on family, blood is thicker than water, you know, um, family is everything. Family, you know, is there for you and will support you and da da da. Well, you know, I've shared before, I'm estranged from my family. And, you know, all the things that I've identified as unconditional love or what I want to, you know, my definition of what I want to um, deliver or what I would have wanted to receive or des deserved to receive, I didn't. And so, you know, there's many individuals in my life that are chosen sisters or chosen brothers, and they're not blood related. And I had really struggled with, these people have been stood up for me, been there unconditionally, been there to be my biggest cheerleaders when I'm, when my legs feel like they've been knocked out from underneath me. And these are relationships that are really kind of newer, you know, just in the, some of them, the last six months, some of them, the last couple of years, however, they have been consistent and their words and their actions match up so I can trust them. So for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm letting out down these walls and because I do love myself now, I'm able to be loved the way that I've been, I should have been, and I don't like to use that word, I deserved all my life. And so I really struggled with the, the, the word or what, what society perceives as the definition of a mom or the definition of a dad or the definition of a sibling. And I found myself when, when I would be speaking, you know, um, I, I consider Steph one of my sis. 
And so somebody might say, well, God, I, you guys don't look at, you know, look alike, or you don't. And I'd say, oh, well, you know, because she's my sister from another mister or my sister from another mother. And I would feel guilty inside because this loving, wonderful individual with so many qualities that have blessed me does not deserve to be justified or cut down. And not that these people ever knew it. And so going into the holidays, you know, the last 13 years, I have grieved for 12 years. I have grieved, sobbed. There's been years I haven't put up Christmas trees. You know, I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to be present or had my children when they were a little bit younger. Now that they're adults, I miss that with them because I was grieving. I was grieving the loss of a definition or the illusion or the fantasy of what family was. So, you know, starting, I would say September, I started gearing myself up and planning for my relapse. And for me, my relapse was the grief, not enjoying the holidays. And I sat and I, I do a lot of journaling and a lot of processing daily. And, and, you know, I'm sure people get sick of me posting on social media, but I do a lot of journaling on that. And I love Facebook for the reason of when the memories come up each year, year after year, I'm able to see where I grow. So it's, it's an immediate reminder. I don't have to pull out all my journals and flip through all the pages. Each day I get a little nugget a little uh, opportunity to share, go me. Freaking yeah, I didn't think I could do that. And so it's just a little reminder. And so that's a little bit of madness be behind all that I post. Um, or I might have somebody reach out to me that's struggling. And I'm like, you know what? This is a way that I was able to look at it. And maybe it will be a nugget of, of you know, just to nudge them to look at a different perspective. So I changed, I will tell you, I decorated a, starting the first week in November. And my husband's like, can you wait until I go out uptown for hunting? I'm like, the power's off. Why not? Seize the moment. I, I like, I'm excited to do this in this moment, but tomorrow I might not. So why wait? So I got out all the tubs. I carried them upstairs from the basement and there was a lot. I decorated every room except my bedroom in Christmas. At even the bathroom, it, everywhere. And it will be up until the end of February because my host son from five years ago, David, that I talk about often, he is coming back into town because we're taking a family trip and that was our our Christmas gift. And so we're flying him in from Spain so he can go with us. And I want to be able to enjoy a Christmas with him. And the way that I can enjoy Christmas with him, I feel, is being able to have all these, these monuments. So this year, I totally changed every tradition. And we, I didn't, I scaled back with my own family. I offered the trip not, you know, did some little gifts, maybe underwear or whatever. And, um, 
And I took that time and I had a tribe of people that I reached out because I had a mission. And my mission was with La Casa is a is an organization nonprofit here locally for men, women, and children of abuse. And it's a shelter. And they have adoptive families. And so I reached out to my tribe and said, I have this mission and how can we help? And we were able to provide an amazing, amazing Christmas for 22 individuals in La Casa. One woman, a single mom, needed a computer for work. Guess what? We were able to provide it. That's awesome. I and, love it. you know, their goal was a $50 limit, you know, at least $50. But let me tell you, my tribe showed up and, and it wasn't even just my tribe. I had businesses, businesses, um, Tanner's Trove here, which is like a, a closeout store. You know, everything's new. Casey there, the owner gave everything to me for 80% off for my adoption. Wow. That's awesome. 80%. Yeah. So that money that I was able to get donated went really far. And there were things that she didn't charge me at all. Hmm. And Good she's people right there. She's a single mom herself. You know, I just found out that the dad, when she got pregnant with her son, the dad, you know, she was not married and the dad signed over his rights and walked away. So she's always been a single mom and she started this business and it's thriving. And I'm so excited about that. So, you know, that's not a topic, you know, it was the biggest challenge was, a was moving away and I'm still struggling with it guys of dropping the rock of, and it's not the individuals, the personalities or whatever, it's the role that society has said, this is your mother, this is your father, this is your sibling, this is this. And we have to love unconditionally those people because they are these. Hey, no, it takes a special person to be a mom. Mothers are just deliverers. Dads are just sperm donors or fathers are just sperm donors. It takes a special person to, to come up and be a dad. Sisters and brothers are just given to us. They just come along with the ride. However, true sisters and brothers in my life have shown to be my chosen. And I felt guilty about this. However, today, I'm going to be honest, I'm coming out of the closet without shame or guilt on that. And this is a great feeling. I feel I'm getting a little emotional, guys. And I want to apologize for to each one of my sisters and brothers of chosenness. Because not one minute do I take for granted what you have given to me in love and support. And from this day on, I am not going to justify or rationalize what our relationship is. Yeah, nor should you. So that is my biggest struggle. 
was my biggest Good. struggle. And so Thank I changed, you for sharing that. I changed traditions 100%, totally changed it. So that's how I was I able think you changed how you saw it too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you changed your, your perspective on it too. I've got another question for you. So, you know, I get this question a lot. And I thought you would be a really good person to ask this. And, you know, how do you handle when you're going through recovery? How do you handle someone when they rain on your, your parade? Um, in recovery, you know, and it, it, it's an evolving process. You know, at first I took it totally as, as judgment and, oh my God. And, you know, it took me off my knees. Today, it's like their feelings are not my responsibility. So how'd you get there? By being able to truly identify who Stacy is and confidently, confidently know that. I no longer need the, the accolades from someone, the acceptance from someone, the... Um, value, you know, see that person thinks I'm valuable. I no longer need that. You know, we've talked about me being a love addict. Love addict is not sex addict, but love addict addicts are someone that is looking for the approval or the attention from others. And we end up doing sometimes inappropriate behaviors that we can be embarrassed about shame, guilt, guiltful for. However, it's that desire just to be, feel needed, wanted, included, instead of feeling abandoned and alone. And so once I was able to identify, I don't identify, I'm a mom, I'm a this, I'm a wife, I'm, no. Who Stacy is, Stacy is a serving person. Stacy is a loving person. Stacy is a compassionate person. Stacy works so hard daily to not judge others and accept others where they are. You know, I can go on and on about who Stacy believes wholeheartedly she is. And some there's some days that I let me tell you I don't meet my own mark. I'm not looking to meet Steph's mark or whatever. It's my own mark my own bar. And so that is how, you know, I have been able to get to where I needed and desired to be. I love it. I love it. You know, I was just talking to a client the other day and, you know, she's changing. However, her spouse isn't. Her spouse is perfectly happy where, where he's at. So what would you tell our audience that they're wanting to change? They feel this need. They want to grow. They want to be, you know, shed the past. They want to grow into this new persona that they're looking for. What would you tell our audience that has a spouse or a partner that feels like life is fine just where they're at, but they're, they're giving them flack about changing? What would you tell them? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this up. I have a client that I've been working with for a year and they came to me and said, and they felt bad to say this to me. They said, you know what? My spouse 
says I need to go see a psychiatrist. My spouse says that I am out of control. Since I've been seeing you, I have gotten worse. And our marriage is now miserable. And it's all my fault. Hmm. And my comment, you know, this individual was really scared, thought I would take this horribly. And my, my reaction was, oh my gosh, I feel like I won an Emmy. I said, <laughs> that is the best comment, you know, with the compliment your spouse could ever give me. Because what they're recognizing is your behavior is changing. You're setting some boundaries. You're showing some worth. And from my perspective, you know, this individual has not been diagnosed a, a narcissist, but they have very high narcissistic tendencies. And, and I, you know, I won't claim that I'm an expert or anything, but man, I've done enough research and, and education on narcissism just so I could understand it. So I wasn't taking those behaviors because I'm raised by a narcissistic mother and so I don't take that on as me. It's now her. It's now her. And so this individual personally, they're struggling with that. They're struggling. And here's what I want to say with that is when we get into recovery, whether it, it, you know, and to me, all recovery is mental health related addiction, whatever it may be, depression, anxiety, it, 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 you know, it does not matter when we're trying to change behaviors. It's, it's, it's mentally. And Absolutely. those that get in recovery together will stay together. And those that don't won't, or those that don't the one that is in recovery will revert back. Will fall off the will fall off the wagon. So you know it's no different than than my trauma. You know, coach had said to me when I entered into it. State when I asked, "Is recovering healing possible?" And she said to me, "How bad do you want it, and how hard are you willing to work for it?" Because Friends, I'm going to tell you, there is a reality and I'm not going to bullshit yet. Change is painful. Staying the same is painful. Staying the same, we know what we're going to get because we're in it. There's a lot of fear and pain and change. And how I identify fear now today, fear before used to be face everything and run. Face everything, you know, face everything and run and, and find the coping skills to distract, to escape. And those never served me well. Escaping never served me well. A lot of judgment came with it. A lot of shame, guilt. I did things that Stacy today wouldn't dream of. And I'm not proud of it. I've made many amends. And I make those amends over and over. Because I want to stay in the straight and narrow and be proud of wife, mother, friend, sister, whatever that I am. However, fear to me today for Stacy is face everything and rise. Yeah. Accept the pain. 
because in the pain of change has been my biggest bounce backs and my biggest growth. So instead of being scared of the pain that is going to come in the change, I now get excited about it. I love it. You know, can I add, I want to add that, you know, this is what I really, when I'm talking to parents about helping their kids or adults, because I work with adults too, change is a process and it's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, you've been on a long journey. I've been on a long journey since 2019, reinventing myself and hurt, climbing over those hurdles that we all always put in front of us. You know, we all have our personal hurdles. We put in front of ourselves and change is a process and understanding that as it is a process means that it comes with a plan and when the plan falls short that's okay because you just create a new plan and you learn from where that plan went wrong and you know there's so many people out there that want to change and they feel like their significant other or their family is like against them. That's what they feel like. Well, I encourage you to stop responding or reacting to the way they're pushing at you and you know, figure out how you can explain it to them that, you know, you need this growth. This growth is so important to you because it has nothing to do with them, it has everything to do with you so you can be better. You can become the best version of yourself for those people around you. And when you can help them understand that change is not threatening to them, it's not going to cause you to love them any less. You might not like their behaviors, but it's, you know, if you truly love your family and your spouse and you want to change, you have this desire to change, you know, maybe tell them this change isn't about you. It's about me. And it's about me trying to become that version of myself that I can be proud of. Because when I'm proud of myself, I'm going to be able to love you more. And I'm going to be able to look past the things that happen on a daily basis that get me down and bring my mood and my energy down. And that change, it's going to help me keep my energy into that space of love and into that space of we're okay and let's move forward together. Because change on the back, the other end can be very scary for people because if they're fine with where they're at and they see their spouse, partner, significant other changing, they feel like they're being left in the dirt and the dust. So give them the reinsurance because now they have the insecurities that are you changing without me? Where are you going? And it's scary when you're on the back end of that for somebody where you don't know where your loved one is going. So help them see it's not about them. It's about you. And that that process is so important to you because you're not in a space where you can fully love them because I have to love myself before I love anybody else. And maybe if you put it that way, maybe that can help them see that even though you change, you're still there. You're still present. And you're in a form that's going to be so much better because that mood, that energy, that space that you all love each other is going to grow to, to a greater space. And maybe they won't be so insecure about it. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I have a lot to think on this. Um, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, 
the biggest growths have been in the last three years for me. However, I want to let you know when you were talking about, you know, recovery is an evolving long process. I have actually been in recovery since 2015, full time. That's the reality. The reality is, is my husband is a recovering alcoholic. My son is a recovering alcoholic. Um, and I have another family that I, I don't know were strange. So I don't know where they are in their journey. However, when my husband, um, you know, got into recovery a year before me, it was scary. And the reason that it was scary is I saw a change in him. And we are no longer codependent with each other. I still wanted to be the codependent. And he would call out my bullshit. I knew what to expect with my husband before. And I knew what I could manipulate. And he knew what he could manipulate with me. I didn't know. It was scary. Because I was this new person. We came together because we were both dysfunctional. But if he got functional and I didn't, would our marriage last? And I will tell you, when he got sober, we were going to get divorced. We were going to get divorced. And one of the things that stopped me, I, I'm going to be very honest and transparent today, guys, because I'm not going to hold anything back. Because what had happened to me is not going to be any different than maybe someone out there. My oldest son, Chip, said to me, Mom, if you divorce Dad, guess what? You'll be sitting alone at Christmas because my, my brother and I will go to Dad's. Let me tell you, friends, being estranged from and having abandonment issues, and I was not in recovery at that time, that was the scariest thought. So that was my reason to stay because I didn't want to be alone because I didn't love myself. I needed somebody else to fuel, fuel my bucket. What would I do? I'd rather die. And so the fear also came in, not that his personality is going to change and whatever. More importantly, guess what? I had to look at myself. You know, before it was a, I was able to look at the, the alcohol you know, you, this problem is because of you. This problem is because of you. I had to now take accountability because the problems got worse when he got better. So I couldn't blame it on the alcohol anymore. What was I going to blame it on? Holy crap. So from my perspective, a lot of the resistance is the individual doesn't want to have to change themselves. So they want to revert and put full court press on the spouse or maybe the child or whatever relationship it might be, friendship, whatever. That that dysfunctional relationship and to it's toxic. It is toxic. I'm just going to call it out for what it is. Because they're used to the toxicity. They don't know what healthy is. And that's too scary. So that's my perspective because that was my reality. 
However, I'm going to tell you in recovery, my husband and I, hey, we don't have a perfect marriage. We work through things, but we agree to disagree because we're very different people. He's not a really emotional pe person. He doesn't talk about, want to talk about difficult things. And as you see, I have no problem and I've got to work through things. So, you know, we still navigate our challenges. However, we allow each other to be individually, uniquely ourselves. And we do have a great love now. And I can't imagine, imagine my life without the life partner that I have. Because I took it for granted for many, many years. And you know what? I almost threw it away. And I would have been throwing it away and not got into the fear that I had where I wanted to run, divorce, face it and run. I am so glad and thankful that I chose to face everything and rise. Well, it's when you can really drop that bucket of shit that you've been collecting that if both people can do that and really just like let that go, that's when you both can really grow together and you can open up and not be afraid to open up about your honest feelings. And I think that's so important because you know, when I hear of people struggling in relationships, a lot of times they're not willing to drop that bucket of shit. And until you do that and you both agree, you can't have those conversations you need to have and be transparent about what you're really feeling and what you need from each other to move forward. So I'm proud of you. Like you've had such a wonderful journey and sharing with this audience your journey. You know, I know that's vulnerable to you and I know it's vulnerable to your family but it's something that people need to hear because so many people are looking for hope and they get discouraged from the people around them and change again it's not easy it's scary it's not easy and you feel alone a lot of times because you look around and nobody else is changing but you're changing and then you start to question is my new perspective accurate or not or like what's going on so you know, keep changing, keep growing, never stop growing. It's when you stop growing that life stands still. So try to better yourself every day. Try to become the best version of yourself every day. And if you've got those insecure folks around you, keep talking to them. Keep sharing with them that this is your journey. It's okay to have your own journey. It's just you just need their support and that's it. And that you're not going anywhere. You just, you got to do this for yourself, which will make your ability to love everyone else so much greater. Any final thoughts, Stacy? Yeah. Would you give me permission to take a growth moment with you guys? That is very yeah. to me that I you know, I talk about transparency and I talk about authenticity all the time. However, I want to share something that might be surprising. Um, and I will tell you in this moment, my heart is racing because I was not expecting to, to take the step this morning because there's a lot of shame 
that has been held within the secret. And it's not a secret to everyone. Um, the most important person, it's not a secret to them. And we've worked through it. You know, in my love addiction, I will tell you, I had an affair. I had an affair. And, you know, folks, you know, sex does not have to constitute an affair. Emotional can be a fair. Okay. And, you know, in the times of my husband's addiction, and I'm not blaming him because it was my dysfunction, in the depths of him not being able to be emotionally present for me. And, you know, my father used emotional incest with me. So that, um, I, what I didn't receive from my, my, my husband, I received from my dad. So really I kind of had an emotional affair with my dad. So when there was an issue, I'd go to my dad and I'd be like, oh my God, dad. And he'd say, hey, it will all be okay. And he'd reassure me. Okay. And so it's been a very big trauma bond when I had to become estranged because of some behaviors that took place uh, in my family. So I lost that and I didn't have it, but my body needed it. And, you know, there was an individual that I, that I met actually in the psych ward and uh, when I tried to commit suicide and guess what they did. So perfect storm, you know, he totally understood where I was coming from. I totally understood him. We could have empathetic for one another. We could validate one another. He had similar situations of family that I had never found somebody that had gone through the grief and loss and, and trying to navigate all the feelings that come with it and the abandonment. And it was like, holy crap, this person is me. Okay, but it was dysfunctional because we both hadn't healed. And, um, you know, when I went to the ranch, uh, I had a therapist say to me, and it, it was something that, you know, I had played out to my husband, you know, because this had, we had had this relationship for years. And, you know, I, was very honest with my husband. I'd say, you know what, you know, Chris and I are going to go here. We're going to go, I'm going to meet Chris for lunch or whatever. You know, he's my friend. And I remember one day Chris had overdosed on alcohol and almost died. And my husband walked in the door and I was curled up on the couch in a, like a fetal position, just sobbing my eyes out. And I'll never forget this day. And my husband said, what is going on? I said, oh my God, Chris almost died. And he said, Stacy, you want to know why you're crying? I said, because my friend almost died. He said, Stacy, no, the people around you that really know you and love you, they've known for a long time. You're in love with them. I sobbed harder and I sobbed harder because I had a love for this man that I, in a bond, heart connected that I couldn't, I couldn't get with my husband and I wanted it, but I had such walls built because I was afraid my husband would walk away because everybody else in my life had walked away. So with guarding myself, I really missed out on that love that I could have had with 
my husband that could be healthy. So I remember we went downstairs because at that time I, you know, I would allow myself to smoke in the basement <laughs> and we opened our the window and he held me and I apologized and I said, I'm sorry. And he was so compassionate. He didn't walk away from me and yes, he was hurt and yes, he was mad. He was. So, you know, that relationship with this individual stopped. So let's fast forward. And I know we're going way over, but I feel I have to come clean if I want others to really recover because secrets aren't full recovery. So at the ranch, my therapist had said one day, oh, my heart is beating. I'm so sorry. You got this. So my therapist had said to me one day, Stacy, you're no different than your mother. You're living in denial and you're keeping secrets. I immediately freaked out. Hmm. Because given the secrets and the denial that my mother has been in has been so pain, painful to me. Mm-hmm. It has caused so much pain and heartache, not only for myself, but for my husband and my children. Beyond repair, it will never be okay. We're just looking to move through and be okay without it being okay mm-hmm. and accepting it. So I, re- I took the paddy wagon back to the to the residential home that I was in. And, you know, we are only allowed to make phone calls and they were, I earned 10 minutes, three days a week that day. And so I went up to the RA and I said, you know, I'm sobbing. I'm like hysterical. And I said, I have to call my husband. She said, Stacy, it's not your day. I said, I'm going to tell you, I have got to call my husband. I can't sleep one night feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm like my mother. I can't live one more moment like my mother. And I will tell you, this was the scariest moment of my life because I'm in Tennessee and my husband's in Michigan. And I needed my husband's support more than anything because I didn't have anybody's support otherwise. I was alone. And I had to make a hard decision because I didn't know if my ship was going to be on the front porch when I got home or if he'd even pick me up. However, I knew that I could not be my mother. Hmm. So I made a phone call. And I had two individuals, two women that were in their home with me and they sat with me and they held me while I made the call. And my husband had thought, okay, this relationship was over. We've moved on. But what he didn't know that I kept the secret is that in January of January 1st of 2020, I'd reached out to this gentleman through LinkedIn. No longer had his phone number or anything. You know, I blocked everything and something was telling me that I need to reach out to this individual. And I'm going to call that my higher power. And I don't feel guilty today on that part because 
he was my motivator to get me into the ranch. So when we started chatting and I just said, how are you in your recovery? Da, 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 da. And he was sober and I was so excited. And he said, you know, Stacy went to a trauma recovery facility out in Arizona for 45 days. It cost me $65,000, but it was the best experience in my life. I finally faced my trauma. I said, oh my God. So again, our lives are aligning because my doctor and my therapist wanted me to go into trauma residential trauma and I was too afraid and the year before my therapist wanted me to go to the ranch April of 2019 and I said no I was too afraid so he said you know Stacy I'm gonna I said you've got to be kidding me my my clinicians want me to get into there he said Stacy oh my god would you please just do it so here's a place that I am freaking just got done with ECP I'm at six milligrams of Xanax because I was going to kill myself because the ECT didn't work and my anxiety was out of control. I wasn't even getting out of bed. It was horrible, horrible. The depression was horrible. So he said, he, he said to me, um, okay, okay. Uh, he said to me, you know what, Stacy? would you like, I'll take you to lunch. Would you like to, for me to show you what they do? Well, I went, I didn't tell my husband. So I left. Well, guess what? Stacy has her hair done. She's got her makeup on. I mean, something that's not the normal. And, you know, when this person walked in, it felt like, oh my God, not a day had passed. I know this guy knows me. He gave me the best validation on something that I'd been struggling with for 25 years of shame and guilt. And he said, of course you would. You're a trauma survivor. I'm like, holy crap. Thank you. Oh my God, I said. So, you know, moving forward, I came home and I, I did tell my husband that I had gone to lunch with Chris and, you know, he took a look at me and here I am looking like a rock star and he was pissed because he's like, oh shit, here we go again. He goes, I thought we were done. And so, you know, there were a few conversations that took place after that time, but I did not let my husband know. So I was sharing this. Let me tell you, my husband was pissed. And for the first time in my life, I knew I was losing my husband. I knew that my husband would never trust or forgive me again. And why should he? He gave me another chance. And I fucked it up. However, I will say today, I don't care where I go. You know, I still have, you know, good male relationships that would never turn into anything else. Never. Because I'm not in active addiction with love addiction. I, I know what it is now. However, I am transparent and I won't ever. If my husband said, no, I don't want you to do that, I wouldn't do it. If he told me, I know that your relationship with that person, I don't feel comfortable. The only time I'd have that relationship is if my husband was in, in, in the room with me. Because I owe it to him for him to feel comfortable because I made a mistake. And so, of course, I deserve not to be trusted. I'm not resentful for his behaviors. So I appreciate friends allowing me to come clean on something. You know, I apologize to my children. 
You know, mom's not perfect. However, I want you to feel that you can authentically be yourself. You can fall down, you can make mistakes, but I will always be here to love you no matter what, because we don't have to be our mistakes. We can move past and we can evolve into the person we were uniquely created to be and be proud of. And to my in-laws for reading this or listening to this possibly, I am sorry that I hurt your brother and your son. However, I bow to you today. I will do everything in my power to respect him, love him, and not hurt him moving through the rest of my days of my life. Because he's an amazing, amazing gift to me. And to those that might judge me and say, holy crap, and it might taint the image or who is she as a life coach when she's done this shit. I'm a damn good one. Why? Because I'll take accountability and I'll rise above it. So I'm dropping that rock and I'm dropping any shame or guilt or, or secret with all of you today. And I thank you for allowing me to do this opportunity stuff. And I know we're running late because I need to go help a friend. But it's something that I'm willing to be late for because it's something I needed to do in my next step in my Bravo. Bravo. Love your journey. And I love that you share it with every one of our audience members because it's so important. We need people in the world that are willing to put themselves out there to help others see that there's a way. There is absolutely a way. And it starts with believing there's a way. And it starts with committing to yourself well friends as i always say <laughs> excuse me i'm a little love emotional you. yeah love you sister you got this go out and smile and be kind today and don't forget to do better be better and treat people better and i will add my favorite quote no one can make you feel inferior without your consent by Eleanor Roosevelt. I love that. That's the the day. Thank you, friends. <laughs> love you guys. All of you.